This is the Reading Teacher's Lounge, where listeners can eavesdrop on professional conversations between elementary reading teachers. We're passionate about literacy and strive to find strategies to reach all learners. Shannon and Mary are neighbors who realized that they were literacy soul sisters at a dinner in their Atlanta neighborhood. Once they started chatting about reading, they haven't really stopped. Come join the conversation. Hello, this is Shannon Betts with the Reading Teacher's Lounge. It's just me today with a special guest. Mary is unable to be here today, but I am here with our guest to talk about building fluency. This is a topic that many of you have wanted us to cover since the first season, and so we're finally doing it. So this is season five, episode 13, and we're going to be talking about fluency today, and I have Stephanie Summers here from Pride Reading. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. It's my pleasure to be here. So tell us about yourself. What have you, um, what is your experience in teaching? And then what do you currently do with literacy? Sure. So I'm a retired elementary teacher um, from Kentucky, actually. Um, I taught 27 years in Henderson County schools in Kentucky, um, primarily in third and fourth grade. Um, And when I retired, my husband and I moved out here to Oceanside, California, and I wanted to still work in education in some aspect. And I found Pride Reading Program and began tutoring, actually, um, with Pride Reading Program, which is a big part of what we do. Um, And as I grew to love the program more and more, um, I kind of moved more into a program outreach role to share more about our program with parents and schools who might benefit. What what did you teach um, when you were in the classroom? Um, I, I I primarily was third and fourth grade for most of those 27 years. Yeah. And self-contained um, okay. often. Um, some years we would do a little thing where I was the language arts, you know, teacher and we would do some kind of rotation. But mm-hmm. um, yeah. So usually seven, eight, nine, 10 year olds. <laughs> yes. And um, when My did favorites. you discover your love of teaching reading specifically? Oh, uh, right away. Right away when I began teaching that, you know, I love, of course, I love math, science. So I just love working with children in general. But there was just something about um, reading, um, writing was a favor of mine as well. Um, Yeah, so that's just sort of where I gravitated. I was always on, you know, the reading committee or the writing committee and anything Mm -hmm. with ELA. (laughs) And I actually went on to get my um, national board certification in early childhood literacy. So it's just always been a passion of mine. And you've been teaching a long time like I have. So We've seen the pendulum swing. We've seen a lot of different curriculum programs come along. Tell us Abs- about some of what you've had experience with working with. Yeah, well, when I began um, teaching, basically, it was a whole language approach. And um, we were just, you know, gathering resources and putting together units. And um, and then we would move into where we ad- might adopt a, a specific um reading series. Um, When I ended teaching, we were doing a balanced literacy approach. um, And just, you know, I was just always trying to learn on my own as well, what would work best for my students in the classroom. Um, So teaching, you know, the program to fidelity, as I was expected to do, but also Mm -hmm. trying to bring in extra activities and resources for my own resource research that I knew would work best for my students. And in Pride Reading Program, that's, I guess, your own methods that you've 
sort of honed and practices that are your best ones, what have you found to really work most effectively with students? Well, what I love about Pride Reading Program is how it's it's a structured literacy approach using mm-hmm. the Orton-Gillingham approach, science of reading. You know, it's completely aligned with the science of reading. It's not, I didn't develop the program. It's not mine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but our developer, um, you know, she, just a, a quick little backstory, you know, she was a teacher as well in her own child was struggling with reading. And so she did some research to try to figure out, hey, how can we, how can I help him? It's not working at school. And, um, you know, she became Orton Gillingham um, certified and, and developed our program around that. And so over the last 18 years, it's, it's kind of turned into what it is today. Um, so I, what I love about it is how, how structured it is. And it has all the components and the student of a good structured literacy program. And the students are explicitly taught how to read. We work on phonemic awareness. It's a very structured um, phonics program. Um, we build fluency in. It's it's just, and it works at a slow enough pace that these students are are successful. Um, so mm-hmm. we primary it was developed for students with dyslexia, but it works well with all all children. Okay. Yeah, uh, and that's what Mary and I when we met at the Atlanta dinner party years ago. Um, we realized that we both agreed on best practices, <laughs> even yes. though she comes from an Orton Gillingham and special ed background. And I come from kind of an everything in the classroom background, um, just through my own action research with students, I found that a focus on phonemic awareness and a structured phonics program, um, you know, works best for teaching kids how to read. So that's awesome. So let's talk about fluency. Um, that is a topic that, I mean, we really, Mary and I didn't really approach it <laughs> for the first four seasons because it's not a topic that we know as much about as we know about um, phonics and comprehension, but we're learning more about it. And the more um, proficient our students become at decoding, the more we realize we have to layer influency activities. And so um, to prep for this episode, I was reading um, a book by Timothy Rasiki, who is, you know, the fluency guru in the world of literacy. And um, I really liked in this book where he described fluency as ears, E-A-R-S, E being expression, A being automatic word recognition, R being rhythm and phrasing, and S being smoothness. Before I read that ears thing, I guess I would describe fluency or define it as just the way someone reads, you know, yeah, the way you read. And that could mean a lot of different things. And so I like that this ears sort of defines that a little more clearly, the the expression of the way you read, the automaticity way you read, the rhythm of the way you read, the smoothness of the way you read. So how would you define fluency? I kind of see it as being able to read with sufficient speed. Mm-hmm. And accuracy mm-hmm. that's going to support your comprehension oh, um, yes. of the text. Um, and I read um, a quote from Jan Hasbrock and Deb Glasser from Reading Fluency that said, also, they like to layer in um, having suitable expression that leads to deep comprehension and the motivation to read. So I guess I had never thought about fluency also including a student's motivation to read okay Um, so I really like adding that in so speed and accuracy to support comprehension that gives that student motivation to want to read Mm -hmm. so that's kind of how I see it I really like the ears acronym that you shared though I think I've always um 
I've had good fluency. Like my older brother and my dad both read aloud to me and my siblings when we were little and they did the voices for all the characters, you know, mm-hmm. like really dramatic. And I guess I just grew up hearing the, you know, that really good fluency modeled read aloud. And so then when I started reading independently to myself, I heard those speaking voices in my mind when I was reading to myself. Yeah. And that's motivating. That makes Mm -hmm. us want to enjoy text. Yeah. That's the, probably the one thing I miss the absolute most about teaching is reading aloud to my students. Mm -hmm. And I guess a lot of times for me, it was just sharing a love of a story, but Mm -hmm. I real, you know, of course I realized I was modeling fluency and I think that's huge. That's, you know, we hear that all the time, how important it is that parents read to their children, um, that teachers read to students. Um, but we can't, we can't stress that enough. That is a big component in helping students become fluent is them hearing fluent readers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, and I think also um, reading fluently in a mindful way and an obvious way to students where you're actually explaining to them, look, I just read this passage fluently to you. Like, did you notice that I said the character's voices? Did you notice that I paused after the question mark? Did you notice that I paused in between the dialogue of the characters and, you right. know, paused that between is a- paragraphs and things like that? You can build metacognition and observation where the students are being aware of your fluent reading. If you do a little bit more of that, think aloud with it. I think so. And and when I think back of all the times I read to students every day, um, there were many years that I didn't include that component. I didn't mm-hmm. realize how important it was to talk with them about that. But boy, once I started and I did that, that took it to another level. And, you know, my work was primarily with third and fourth grade um, students. And so I had to really work every year to encourage my parents to continue to read to, to their children at home or read with them. Um, because I, we often think that, well, they can read now on their own, so they should practice it independently. Mm-hmm. But yeah, and there is some important, obviously, they need some independent practice, but um, they still need that. They need to hear fluent reading and they need to be able to still share the love of reading with others. Um, so I encouraged my students to, hey, check out a library book that's a little more difficult than you would read on your own that you're super interested in and and see if you can find a buddy, a parent, somebody to read with you at home as well. And that's what we did at school, too. Um, mm-hmm. That was a, a big, impo- a big, important part, I think, in improving their fluency. Yes. Well, my third graders loved my chapter book read aloud time. That was our class bonding time. That was our favorite time of the day. We did it after lunch and it was a way to just sort of, you know, ease into the second part of the day. And they would just sit on the carpet and listen to me read. And um, I hear when I hear from former students, that's what they always mention is, you know, I remember you reading this book to us. I hear that too. And oh, that just makes my heart so happy. And I would do that as well, you know, find those transition times. I mean, even walking down the hall, if we were going to music class, let's say I'd have that book in my hand because if we're two minutes early and we're waiting mm-hmm. in the hall, I'd just pull that book out or, and and eventually, you know, they're crazy at the end of the day, we're trying to pack up, get ready for the end of the day bell. And I found the quickest way to quieten them was just open a book that we're reading and start reading quietly. And they're like, yep. they don't want to miss anything. So yep. I miss that. That that's that was fun. <laughs> so that is where I mean we're kind of circling around the topic, but that is one of the best ways to work on fluency with your class and with your students is to model fluent reading. Correct. But I mean, there's more to fluency than that. Yes. I mean, to me, the 
the key is students have to be, they have to have strong decoding skills. Mm -hmm. They're never going to become fluent readers if they can't crack the code Mm -hmm. um, of language and of our language. Um, So decoding skills to me, that's what it comes down to. And I know that, you know, with our program, that's what we focus on a lot is providing students strong decoding skills. Mm-hmm. And um, we just recorded an episode about decodable text, but that's a tool that could be used to build fluency because you could have the students um, do repeated reading of yes. those decodable text. And I, I mean, that's a built-in practice with every student I work with to this day is if they are sounding out some words on a page, I'm like, You're, you haven't really read that page until you've read it nice and smooth to me. Right. And so until you can read it without sounding out any word, you need to keep reading that page over and over and over until it's done. And then even after they get to a few pages, I'll have them read the whole story to me again to see if those words are um, more fluent. I mean, that's how we build that, you know, um, orthographic mapping for those automatic word recognition. That was exactly what came to my mind. I mean, they have to be able to, they have to have orthographic orthographically map those words mm-hmm. um, in order to build that fluency. Mm-hmm. But yeah. you can still work on the fluency, even if they're still in the sound out stage. Oh, yes, definitely. Because of that repeated reading. Yes. And then also, if you do some, um, I'm sure in Pride Reading Program, they have um, encoding practice before you get to the decodable <laughs> text. And so um, if you dictate the words and have them build them with letter tiles and have them spell them and practice, then they're a little bit better at decoding those when they see it in print. Exactly. They practice that um, speech to print approach first. Exactly. That's right. Yeah. So um, what other activities do you do to work on fluency? Well, we start, you know, we start with word individual words and Mm -hmm. trying to have students fluently read those. So if they're blending consonant sounds or working on a specific phonics skill, um, and then we progress in the next lesson within that same skill set to sentences. Um, And of course, with those sentences, sentences, there are no words that they've not been explicitly taught. Mm -hmm. So, you know, in the beginning, they're going to be, you know, we have a certain number of words that we can pull from um, to make those. But, um, also including high frequency words because they're going to see those in text. Mm-hmm. So they're, they're reading words fluently within the specific skill that we're working on. They're reading sentences now, isolated sentences fluently. And then we move into that decodable text. Mm-hmm. Um, and as you said, throughout the series of our lessons, they're also encoding as well. They're spelling as well. So they're, they're putting, putting those words, getting those orthographic orthographically mapped in their mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that really seems to to work well and building their confidence. I've, I've worked with, you know, I had a 10 year old, for example, who was basically starting at the very beginning and he was so frustrated, had no confidence, but just going through a systematic approach, a very explicit approach, um, the confidence that he began building and he saw himself as, hey, I can read these sentences fluently and I'm even understanding what they say, mm-hmm. you know, um, and then we get to the decodable text. You know, and, and, and ours don't have pictures. We don't want them relying on picture clues. Um, we want them to be able to have the skills to read successfully and confidently. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mary and I have found um, in the last few years that um, 
fluency phrases is a very effective activity, um, especially with the high frequency word phrases. Yes. Um, it's just, there's no point in just doing isolated high frequency word cards. You put it in the context of a of a phrase. It don't even mm-hmm. have to be a full sentence, but instead of the word of, you know, just say, you know, of the, of the game or something, or instead of on, on the page, on the line, it just builds that, um, it builds that fluency and it makes it, it already kind of builds in more, um, word level vocabulary, you know, comprehension and, um, helps them recognize it in context better. That, that was key for me. I I was using those in my classroom as well. Mm -hmm. Um, and I saw a big shift. Um, in the, instead of just the individual words that were high frequency or sight words, mm-hmm. the phrasing helped because it did, it gave them a context. So mm-hmm. they were able to, to better understand and then read that, that word. Yeah. Fluently. So I, I feel like we've talked about, you know, repeated reading and using those phrases and that really works on that automatic word recognition. Mm-hmm. And then also we talked a little bit about smoothness and just that accuracy and self-correction and making sure that the students keep reading that sentence or that phrase or that paragraph over and over until it is perfectly smooth. Um, there's other activities that you can do that work more on the expression and the rhythm and phrasing. I'll be honest, like some of those I've done certain years, I've done them more often than others. (laughs) Um, And as I'm kind of looking at some of these activities, I'm like, I probably need to add in some fluency activities for some of my students and not just work on decoding all the time. Yeah. Well, for phrasing and such, especially, especially, is that what you're referring to? Yeah. Yeah. So like um, in this book, um, they have, um, and also FCRR has some phrasing activities where it'll show a paragraph and it'll show like those little phrases kind of grouped with a slash line Mm -hmm. where the students have to read three or four words at a time in a, in a smooth way. And then kind of do just the slightest pause. And that's the way we speak, you know, like we might say a a, a prepositional phrase kind of all at once and then make a little bitty pause. And that's the way our reading should sound instead of robotic word by word by word. And there are a lot of good activities that are already created where students can practice that. Yeah. Yeah. I I like that as well. I've seen, um, you know, where I will even like draw a line underneath the words that we're going to group together, Mm -hmm. as you said, separated out. Right. So an example, you know, if they're reading Sam, I'll hear a student read Sam hits his shin on the table, (laughs) you know, and they're like, not fluent. I read it. I didn't have to sound (laughs) any of those out. Right. Um, But right. That's not fluent. That's very robotic. So you can play around with Sam and then hit his shin on the table. Mm-hmm. Again, as you said, trying to make it match how we would naturally speak. That's what we want it to sound like as we. And as that we brings read. in grammar and syntax. Exactly. You know? Yes. Because hit is shin is like, that's the verb and the object, you know, mm-hmm. and then on the table is that prepositional phrase and that we do group our, our phrases and our speaking by that, those syntactic meaningful components. Exactly. So yeah, that does pull in that, that, that grammar aspect as well. (laughs) Mm -hmm. We um, adopted a technology program in my school in the last year that has that built in. Um, So I guess maybe I've been depending on that technology program to handle it. Although I do need to, I'm going to print some of these Florida activities and do them with my students as soon as we're done recording this episode. (laughs) And I will do them (laughs) next week with my students. But um, 
that this program is called Reading Plus, and it is a technology program that specifically is built to work on fluency. And so it, they're like very open, like we're not teaching kids decoding. <laughs> we're going to work on fluency. And then they build in because it's kind of built in with, you know, reading passages. They also have some comprehension and some vocabulary activities, but it is mainly a fluency program. And it has this really interesting um little guided window I think they've trademarked it to be called something special I can't remember what it's called right now but it's this they blur out all the text of a passage on the screen except for like maybe three or four or five or six or eight words depending on where the student was assessed and what the student can handle and they only show them those few words at a time and then they sort of guide the students to read from left to right and from top to bottom where they'll blur out the next part, you know, or the previous part and then reveal the next part and then blur it out and reveal and blur it out and reveal. And the students have to read the passages on the screen that way. It keeps them, it keeps their eyes on the page because if they don't, if they look away or they, I mean, you know, we have to make sure as teachers not to even talk to them because they can't (laughs) look away. Right. Right. They cannot look away because they've got to read the passage and keep their eyes on it. But the program gradually increases the speed of that reveal a little bit. Um, And so they, it's supposed to like increase their words per minute, like kind of passage by passage. Um, And then it asks them, um, comprehension questions and kind of built-in activities for comprehension with those passages that they've read. And then also there's um, embedded vocabulary that they pre-teach before the students read the passage. And then they, you know, kind of assess them on the vocabulary and make sure that they comprehended it in the context of the story. So it's a pretty interesting program. Um, I don't have never seen anything like it on the market. Yeah. And um, we, you know, we've only adopted it recently, but I did see a good correlation between the students who met their reading growth goals in map in map in mid-year mm-hmm. with who also had a lot of usage of the of the reading plus program so i oh. think that sounds amazing um because what i'm picturing is me you know pulling s- individual students in doing those repeated time greetings trying to build mm-hmm. their speed and accuracy and which was great and it was good interaction for the student i but not feasible to do a class of 28 Right. This is a way you can do it on a large scale and have all the students doing it. And they use the webcam to like do the eye tracking and things like that. Um, And then, you know, there's nothing substitute for like a real book and students holding a chapter book and reading it. But this is good practice for the uh, for the students and where the teachers and I are like, okay, we're covering fluency at least a little bit. And, you know. Right. um, Students are getting a little bit more practice with it because of the technology. Yeah. Yeah. So years ago, I did a better job of working on phrasing and fluency. Um, when I first started teaching third grade, this was in the dark ages in 2002, <laughs> 2003, 2004, um, we didn't have any basal at all. I mean, I had to create every single activity, mm. every single assessment from scratch. And I had the energy of my 20 something years to be able to do that, <laughs> but still it was a lot of work. And so I wanted to make sure that I was covering fluency really well and assessing it. And so um, I had made a rubric that I graded the students on every single week and it covered words per minute. It covered um, 
the rhythm and phrasing. It covered their expression. And I taught the students like by modeling examples and non-examples of fluent mm-hmm. and not fluent reading. <laughs> and we created the rubric together of like what would be a four or three or two or one and expression and then phrasing and things like that. And then the students, um, we use the same rubric week after week and the students would um, choose their independent reading passage for the on on Monday and they would practice it all week and then they would perform it for the class on Friday. And then the class would vote like, okay, I think you got a three on expression this week. I think you got a two and, um, I had one parent who was upset because they thought that was like a little bit too public of a reading for their student, <laughs> but I didn't make it that there wasn't anything on the rubric that it had to be a third grade passage. It could be on their own independent level. However, yeah. the words per minute was on the third grade words per minute goal mm. for the, for the three. And then four would be if they, you know, did better than the words per minute. Um, but that, I felt like that, that was the, like, with the two years that I did that, I was really covering fluency and um, my students did really well. I mean, they didn't just do well in fluency. They did well in comprehension. I mean, I had all my students pass the state test in reading. Wow. <laughs> those that, years. Yes. So I think that that was a worthwhile practice, even though it took like the whole Friday, every single reading period for us to do that. Yeah. Well, and having them assist with the, um, the rubric gives good yes. buy-in and you know, yeah, that's, that's great. And and what a, what a great way to practice um, assisted reading, you know, because you, you hear about, you know, well, we can do some choral reading where we all mm-hmm. kind of read together and practice phrasing or paired reading and such. But the rubric, I think is a great way to help them see areas that they're doing very well in. And mm-hmm. hey, where do I need to improve? Well, and I spent some of my reading conference time you know, Monday through Thursday, mm-hmm. practicing with the student, or I might pair them up with a peer tutor. Mm-hmm. And we would work on some of the words that they had to decode or understand the meaning of to be able to read it with expression and to be able to read it, you know, to, so that the listeners could comprehend what they were reading. Right. So that was good. Um, that was good conversations that I was able to have with the students that were, you know, reading rich conversations to have because they were, they had buy-in because they wanted to perform well on the Friday passage. Right. Yeah. And I know you've mentioned, we've mentioned vocabulary a few times, but that's an important aspect as well. You don't want them to be hung up on a word Mm -hmm. when they're practicing fluency, um, you know, beforehand kind of knock out what are some of these new vocabulary terms that, that we need to be aware of and have an understanding of so that I can read fluently Mm -hmm. when I come across that. (laughs) That's another component. I I think an adult example of it is um, I'm thinking of a friend of mine when he read aloud at church uh, the other day and he had to read all (laughs) all the ancestors of Jesus (laughs) to get through all of the different names at the beginning of one of the gospels. And he was just taking these breaths. (laughs) He was trying to get through all the different, you know, and he was stumbling over the different sounds because they were Jewish names. And um, that's how the students feel, right? When they're encountering those words that they haven't heard before. So, yeah. And I know for me, um, you know, I don't remember fluency being an issue when I was a child. And I I think just learning to read was not difficult for me, Mm -hmm. which is great for me, but I need to understand what the struggle is for students. Mm -hmm. So that I can assist them. And I think the the best way for me is, you know, I've taken so many Spanish classes in my life in high Mm -hmm. school. I have a college minor. I'm still not proficient. Um, Don't feel confident and comfortable um, speaking it. So 
that helps me when I think of a struggle that I have when I come across a new word in, in Spanish or something, how that can totally throw off my sentence. Right. <laughs> you or know, if you so- had to read just some random Spanish page out of a text, you oh, would be reading my. it robotically. Yeah. And you, exactly. Yes. And so I, I know that's not totally on topic, but but it is in a way because it helps me realize where I struggle with fluency mm-hmm. and how that affects me. And then I can better help my students and understand the struggles that they're mm-hmm. going through. Um, I, I mean, obviously I was doing that like almost 20 years ago when I was doing that weekly fluency activity. I don't think I would do that to this day where I did it every single week, but maybe once a month. Um, I'm not a homeroom teacher anymore, but I think if I was a third grade teacher in homeroom, I would probably do that once a month. But I can think about that same thing and apply that with some of these FCRR fluency phrasing activities, some of the ones that I'm seeing in this Timothy Rensinki book, just practicing a little bit more of that fluency phrasing where the students are experimenting with reading with expression reading those meaningful phrases to make Mm -hmm. it sound more smooth, to make it sound more like a fluent reader. And then building that awareness in themselves that reading doesn't just mean sounding out the words, but it means reading with fluency and then reading with comprehension, like you said. Yeah. Because we want that for themselves, Mm -hmm. but when they're performing or reading aloud, we want it for their audience as well. So Mm -hmm. I know I've had students who can read very robotically. Mm Mm-hmm. And they're comprehending pretty well, you know, but the rest of us are so hung up on, <laughs> yes. on the robotic nature. It's like, I have no clue what, because I was just amazed with the, yeah. So um, giving them an audience um, to perform for, I mm-hmm. think is a great way to help them build fluency. And like you said, at least periodically. Yes. Um, yes. Yes. I don't think we need to do it as often as I did, but another activity that I've done, um, I did this more with my first and second graders when I taught them, but um, have you ever done where you write the alphabet on the board and you kind of put punctuation in between some of the letters and you practice reading with expression? So like A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, L, M, N, O, P, you know, and you just sort of, you can, you can really almost have a conversation with the alphabet mm-hmm. um, just with knowing what, you know, if I put a period on it or a question mark or things like that. Um, and um, yeah, and not only is that fun, but it does, it gives them the idea that that matters, that it expression t- completely matters. And there's some really, I, I wish I had the name of it, but there's a couple of really great picture books about how punctuation matters. If you put the comma in the wrong place. Oh, I love um, that book. Those books yeah, yeah. And those are a lot of fun. So that gives kids an idea of how much expression does matter um, and how you can change the meaning of what you're trying to say based on where you might take a a pause. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, and so in this um, fluency book, um, they have famous lines from movies, famous lines from children's books, and then challenges for the students to read it in a policeman's voice or yes. read it in a Muppet voice or reading it in an old lady voice or a teacher voice. And that um, totally really changes the context. It totally changes. It totally <laughs> changes exactly how you, how it's said and how it's read. And that brings up a good point that you can have. These are examples of ways to have so much fun mm-hmm. while building fluency. It doesn't have to be so tedious and so boring for the student um, mm-hmm. and overwhelming because I know, you know, I had a f- few students who, you know, they would get really stressed out about that timed reading. And, yeah. um, you know, so you just have to have a variety of activities um, to assist students and having fun with it. What a better way. 
Well, one activity that you and I did in the whole language days that we should still keep around and not throw away is Reader's Theater. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm sure you had a whole file cabinet full of scripts like I did. A whole file cabinet. (laughs) But you're right. And we would, I would look for ways. um, And that goes back to where I said earlier about trying to provide some performance reading opportunities mm-hmm. yeah readers theater and and we we got to and the kids loved it so it got to be we're you know we didn't have we do if we had a play obviously mm-hmm. or something but the kids would even say hey you know let's act out this story and mm-hmm. and yeah those are great opportunities for them to practice fluency um reading a disease um you know a lot of people have that license they have mm-hmm. great readers theater scripts and a lot of them go with the standards that we have to teach. So they, you know, like we taught Annie Oakley in one of the grade levels and they had an Annie Oakley reader's theater script. And then we taught fables in second grade and they had fables reader's theater scripts. And so it was a way for me to kind of cover fluency and, um, you know, the standard I was teaching at the time, which was really good. Yeah. So if we look for those sources, um, there's a lot of really good ones out there. So, and we'll link to some in our show notes. Perfect. So any other activities that you do with your students that work on fluency? Um, do you do you choral know, reading? Uh, yes. Poems and songs? Po- poems, songs, choral reading. Those are all great, great ways for them to practice, practice fluency. Yes. Um, you know, and, and, you know, we're talking about fluency on the upper end at this point, but not to forget, you know, that for some students, they're not feeling, I'm not. I'm not getting this. I'm not becoming fluent because I'm still literally working on decoding. So, mm-hmm. you know, just going back to that end of it and giving them, making sure they have really good phonemic awareness um, mm-hmm. and playing games with, with that phonological awareness activities um, to help them build fluency at the word attack level as well. Um, because we've got to be able to take it all the way back for kiddos who need that. Mm-hmm. And then of course, move to the other end of the spectrum um, and give them that whole passage kind of. Well, and even just practice. for a student at that level, building it to the sentence level or the word level and say, do you think you read that fluently? How did that sound to you? Or if they can, if they can pick out that they made an error and, and they need those, to self-correct mm-hmm. it, yeah. you know, or did and, they leave an S off something or did they read the verb correctly? Right. And another way to help them with that can be to have them record themselves, you know, record mm-hmm. them, give them an audio recording so they can listen back because when they're producing it, they may not be able to fully comprehend and understand what, what it's sounding like. Um, so, well, and we have so much themselves. more technology than we oh, did yes. before. And so like back in the day, you and I just had like a little tape recorder at the listening center and that wasn't very much fun to record yourself, but now the students can get on their Chromebook and record themselves. They could do text to speech <laughs> yes. with the Google doc. They could, you know, get on any kind of app on an Apple device or another kind of tablet and record yeah. themselves. My students, um, just a funny note on that, you know, cause when I left the classroom four years ago, you know, we had, everyone had their own Chromebook, one-to-one technology. And I cannot tell you how many times in a week, one of my third graders would say, Miss Summers, how did you live without Google? Or how did you, <laughs> how, how did that work? When you went to the library, you didn't scan your book to check. How? <laughs> we used a card catalog. So I would write and I'd pull out a, a book off my shelf, you know, that I had gotten at a yard sale or something. And we'd go to the back where the pot library cards yeah, in yeah. the pocket and, or the textbook where you wrote, you know, your name for the year. And then you got it that next year. And exactly. Who, who had the book who, who before had it? me? <laughs> oh my gosh, this technology. Not to get off topic, but. 
no, oh, no, no. How often? How did you do things back then? <laughs> um, but if if we're back even, you know, not to linger there, but um, if we're even back to students, you know, beginning readers mm-hmm. who are struggling with fluency on that sentence level or word level as well. You know, I know sometimes we'll, in, it, with Pride Reading, some of our students in the beginning are struggling with blending sounds, you know, mm-hmm. even consonant blends at the beginning of the word. So just another strategy also would be to take, you know, if they're not able to put the word cap together without going cap, if they're mm-hmm. struggling even to be fluent with that, mm-hmm. you know, maybe starting that beginning consonant sound with a continuous sound. So like cap okay. or map. Or, okay. Right. Just I, I probably wouldn't want to continue the, the C mm-hmm. um, because it is a stop sound. Yeah. Unless they blended just, it with the A, you know, true, like the true. singing, the sounds. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, so for people who are listening, who might be saying that's all well and good for students who are already reading and decoding mm-hmm. well, but there are fluency building activities that we're doing as we're even teaching students to mm-hmm. decode and to not forget that even early readers um, at the word level building that fluency, because I know in our first lesson, anytime we're teaching a skill with pride, um, we have a word box and we want those students to be able to read those words. There might be Mm -hmm. 20 words in that word box, as you said, fluently. Mm -hmm. Okay. You read it fast now. Let's see how, Mm -hmm. how quickly can we get to the end of this row kind of thing. So, you know, you can, you can build fluency at all different levels of a student learning to read. Well, and I made my own sight word fluency phrases that were on sentence strips and then I would pair them with my CBC word cards. So it would be like a phrase, like I can see the blank or where is my blank? And they would, where is my map? Where is my sis? Where is my cap? Where Mm -hmm. is my, there's so many that will work with that, you know, phrase. So. Yeah. And, and with that, you know, they're obviously going to be making sentences that that makes sense and we have some context too but mm-hmm. you can also again play around and have some nonsense type things going yeah. on some you can do it with words sentences um and have fun with it again and build that fluency build that phrasing and such mm-hmm. so um, makes me want to get back in that classroom a little it bit does, it does. <laughs> i'm looking at my fluency book and um, there's a list that says what makes a quality fluency activity and there's a list and it says quality texts Mm-hmm. which we've been talking about oral reading feedback you've got to Huge. give the students the feedback on the fluency mm-hmm. repetition and the motivation like you were talking about yes so yeah and i know with decodable texts there's sometimes controversy about how boring they are mm-hmm. well for adults who read fluently yeah they're going to mm-hmm. seem pretty boring to me um but if students are still needing that to build their fluency, I think it's super important to use those. You know, eventually they're going to, they've cracked the code and they're not going to need those. They're going to kind of mm-hmm. be finished with needing that. But those decodable texts can be mm-hmm. super helpful in building students' well, fluency. Well, and um, when I was speaking to the the uh, the team at Reading Plus, when we were thinking about adopting it, they were explaining to me, you know, you must have so many of these third, fourth, and fifth graders in your school who just can't seem to get to the next level on the standardized testing. Right. And they said the reason that is, is because of their silent reading fluency. They said, we see just an epidemic of students who are still not fluent when they're silently reading. Right. And so they, um, that's really why they developed the program is to build that 
speed and automaticity for the students um, in that silent reading, which I thought was interesting. Mm -hmm. So I think we need to work on oral reading fluency, but then also definitely explicitly show the students that they need to be applying this to their silent reading. Exactly. Right. Because I might assume that they're going to be able to do that, but Mm -hmm. we know not to not make those assumptions. They Mm -hmm. explicitly helping them see that connection Mm -hmm. could be hugely important. Yes. Yeah. You know, and I know you you mentioned map testing earlier, um, but, you know, my students also had to take a state assessment at the end of the year that was Mm -hmm. timed. Yes. You know, and that was something that concerned me always um, because I had students who could do the work and they knew this, they had all the skills, but if their reading rate was such that they couldn't complete it in time, mm-hmm. then, you know, their score was skewed and that was so stressful to the student as well. So um, that was just, I know another thing that, that I always had on my mind was I want to help them build their rate because I want them to feel, feel successful mm-hmm. um, and be able to complete that task in the time that they're given. Since you were a third grade teacher, like I was, did you sort of have like a, I had a hundred word minute goal kind of for my kids. I think at one point at Dibbles, it was like 120, but it, I felt like if I got the students to that hundred word mm-hmm. per minute mark, we were good to go. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And we would set, you know, we would look at that rate where we would assess them and get their beginning rate. And then we'd make a percentage, set a goal and mm-hmm. you know work toward that. Yeah. And we use Dibbles quite a bit to help with that. But you're right. About a hundred words a minute was a good rate where they could. And then sometimes the students would almost go too fast. You know, like if a student was trying to get to like 170 or 180, mm-hmm. then that affected their expression, that affected their comprehension, and we would almost have to pull them back. Yeah, and say, I no, had those students. Good readers too. can't. Fluency doesn't just mean reading quickly. Exactly, and 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 I know. Um, that that's so true. I would have students who would just literally try to blow through the passage to see how mm-hmm. quickly, how many words they could get. But like you said, their comprehension suffered and yeah. never mind the person who, who was listening was, and trying to take that was, running record. Yeah. What was that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I, and I know, you know, with pride when we're working with fluency, because we're working with students typically who are struggling um, in general um, and, we tell our, we train our teachers to, and our tutors and tell our parents as well, um, don't push for speed um, with where accuracy is going to be compromised. Mm-hmm. You know, we're first looking at accuracy mm-hmm. and then trying to build the speed. And, and I had that same concept in my classroom. I wanted the accuracy to be there first. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we would work on the speed and phrasing was the key to that, basically mm-hmm. helping them better understand how to phrase what they were reading naturally. And then the speed came. Mm -hmm. My son in third grade is actually a struggling reader and he won't let me help him at home. He's like, you're my mom, not my reading teacher. (laughs) He's a really interesting case because he was trying to go for the speed. And so we've had to, on the SSST um, student support team, actually back that up and make accuracy goals instead of speed goals because he was breaking his speed goals. Um, but he has great expression, like maybe because I read aloud to him. Um, but he, even when he's struggling on a decodable passage, he will read it with characters' voices and he will add layers of meaning with his phrases and wow, the intonation and things like that. So I, I it was just innate, like his, mm-hmm. his expression, which I thought was interesting. 
Yes, because I, I often would not see that with mm-hmm. a student who, yeah. I know, he didn't read robotically. Like, he always read, and I'm like, oh, that sounded good. Like, even though it wasn't smooth decoding, it still sounded like a good read-aloud. So. Yeah, it was pleasing because yeah, of the phrasing yeah. and, and intonation yeah. and such. So he's an interesting case. I wish he would <laughs> let me help him at home. But, um. Fluency is sort of like the bridge, right? Between word recognition and comprehension. Yes. Yeah, that's a good way to put that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because they have to have a certain amount of fluency mm-hmm. to really comprehend mm-hmm. what they're reading. And I would challenge our listeners if they have a student that just seems to be sort of stagnant in their progress, work on fluency and see yeah. what happens. Work on fluency and see what happens. Look at some of the activities that we're suggesting um, in our show notes and practice those with the students and see if, you know, their automaticity goes up. So their recognition gets better. Mm -hmm. And then also their comprehension will improve. Right. And it it can give students something else to focus on, you know, because they're probably feeling Mm -hmm. stuck too. Um, And there's some, we've talked about so many different ways that you can practice it and have some fun with it as well. So that it doesn't yeah, it almost seem takes like the pressure so much off, work. maybe. Right, yeah. right. Build and then maybe that decoding sort of becomes a little bit more like, oh, I do know that word. Like, I'm not so like, what is that word? What is that word? It's right. like, oh, I do know that word because I'm focusing on my voice rather than sounding yes. it out. Yeah. And, and students also sometimes just get stuck with the strategy that works for them to decode. Mm-hmm. It's like, man, I know you know this, you know, yes. you know, you know it. They want to sound it out beginning, middle, yes. end, even if they might already know that word. Just for comfort, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and and then they're not really building fluency um, as when they're stuck on that specific strategy that they know works for them. So that's a great. So it's that's moving them tip. forward. It's moving mm-hmm. them forward. Yeah. Right. I think that's a great tip to maybe focus on fluency some and see if that gets you unstuck and get mm-hmm. your student to move forward, mm-hmm. building that motivation for wanting to read. Well, I've loved um, delving into fluency with you. Is there anything else you want to yeah, know our, our listeners to know about reading or fluency while we're oh, chatting here? Gosh, th- you know, the most important thing for me is, is helping students want to read and feel confident. Mm-hmm. That's my overall goal. Um, you know, and I know f- good fluent readers, you, they do have to have good decoding skills. So, you know, if your student doesn't have that, you know, definitely see what we, what you can do to work to build that up. But yeah, fluency is going to enhance comprehension and that motivation to read. And that's to me, the, what it's all about. We talk a lot about student engagement here, especially because Mary and I both work with the struggling readers all the time too. And a lot of times they come to us at the older age and they're so passive. Mm-hmm. And um, building the focus on fluency helps them become more engaged yes. because they um, you're asking and you're um, holding them accountable to see themselves as readers. Yes. Like, I'm not just asking you to send out the words, but I'm asking you to read this like, yes. like a and strong reader reads it. Right. And you're not doing this for me. You're, yeah. You want that student to see that, oh, I'm doing this for myself and mm-hmm. and to make them become a reader who wants to read and enjoys yes. reading. Yeah. That's the ultimate goal. And so um, you can work on fluency with the phrase level with students. You can work on fluency with decodable text and then eventually with leveled text and trade books um, mm-hmm. as the students um, 
have better decoding skills. Yes. And um, pay attention, like um, Reading Plus said to those older students to make sure that they have good fluency, even in their silent reading, because if they can't get past that, like hundred words per minute mark um, on grade level text, they're going to struggle on standardized tests. They're going to struggle um, reading those longer passages in science and social studies. They're going to struggle with that transition of um, reading to learn. Exactly. Yeah. So um, thanks so much for joining us in the Reading Teacher's Lunch today. Thank you for having me. It was my pleasure.